Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for High Velocity Radio. Welcome to the High Velocity Radio Show, where we celebrate top performers producing better results in less time. Stone Payton here with you this afternoon. You guys are in for such a real treat. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast with Catalyst Growth Advisors, Mr. Bill Flynn. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon to you as well, Stone. Great to be here. Well, we are delighted to have you on the show. Got a ton of questions. Won't get to them all, I'm sure. But I'm thinking a good place to start is if maybe you could share with our listeners mission, purpose. What what are you and your team really out there trying to do for folks, man? Well, I think it's a shame that really good ideas, really good people, really good businesses uh, either struggle or die for completely preventable reasons. And the stats are not pretty, are they? What what the, the numbers are awful, aren't they? Well, the numbers are surprising. Yes, a little a little alarming and arresting. Um, the uh, data coming from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, as well as the Small Business Administration, have similar numbers. Basically, says that most businesses die after five years, and the numbers don't get any better. Um, if you go all the way down to twenty five years, there's about sixteen or seventeen percent of them left, and you'd think that. After you've been in business for a while, you'd get better and learn and and improve. But that doesn't seem to be what the numbers bear out. So it's it's unfortunate. And that's really only the ones who are, are no longer here. There are also a number of others that are struggling. And they're not gone yet, but they're having a hard time. So it's it's um, very few businesses thrive, I've found, which is unfortunate. So what are we doing wrong, you think? Uh, I don't know that I have the answer, but um, my theory is that we do a lot of things wrong, just not, we don't do them completely wrong. We just sort of do them a little bit wrong. Um, (laughs) And then they add up and, you know, you hire the wrong person and then they hire more people or you don't quite get your strategy right. Um, You know, you're not executing well, you you just make sort of these small errors and I think they just add up and it adds weight to the business. And, you know, the bigger you get, the heavier that anchor feels and uh, begins to to weigh on you. Uh, but the information's out there, right? It's not like we have to, to recreate and figure it out as if, you know, it's not like we have to be pioneers. Information precedent about how to get this stuff right is it, it, it's available to us. Yeah. Oh, it it is. And it's been around for about 100 years or so. Um, you know, it started with Frederick Winslow Taylor, who um, really taught people how to run a routinized business, you know, so all about efficiency. Hmm. There are some good books that come out of that. The Goal is one that was written a number of years ago. Now, I think we've come into a different era where it's not really about routinized work anymore. It's more about creative work and innovative work, etc. But management science is been saying the same thing, you know, for a long time. You've got Drucker and Deming and and um, Bennis and a number of other folks, you know, and, and more in our generation, you've got, you know, Jim Collins and Pat Lencioni and a whole bunch of other people who have been saying, you know, this is sort of how really great businesses work. And at least what I've found, or I think I've found is that those that that thrive and do well over a long period of time do the same few things really, really well. So, well, and I guess that that leads me to ask about the other side of the coin. Is it because there's so much information out there? Are we picking the wrong things and spending too much 
time on stuff that maybe doesn't as matter as much of a as as the few right things. Yeah, Pareto was a pretty smart guy, you know, the eighty twenty guy. Um, yeah, and yeah. it seems that most of our, you know, the bulk of our results come from a, a little bit of our effort. And um, one of my favorite sayings, and, and I say this to leaders all the time, which I, I think their job is, is is to really figure out the few things that matter because few things truly matter, but those that do matter tremendously. And if you can figure those things out, you have a leg up on your competitor. So so what's the backstory, man? How did you get involved in this line of work? Uh, so I've been, uh, so I did uh, about 20, uh, over 25 years, I did 10 startups, oh, wow. all in the high tech space here in the Boston area. And it was five for six for a while. I ended up five for 10 or five for seven, depending on what you count my contribution at. But either way, it's still a pretty good deal. And But I'm also, I, I have a curious nature. Um, and I was always sort of trying to figure out, you know, why, why do things happen the way they happen? Uh, and I've been studying business for about 30 years, really more so in the last six or seven, pretty intensely. Um, and that's led me to be a coach, to try to take what I've learned in my practical life in business, which you know wasn't perfect, by the way, I certainly made a lot of mistakes, um, and then combine it with what um, at least I think makes a big difference, you know, and I'm, I'm most of it is, I'd say that 90 some odd percent of it is not for me, it's it's from other great thinkers that I mentioned earlier, um, and other people I've run into, and, and um, so, so I've been focusing on that, I've been working with leadership teams for the last six or seven years, and, and helping them to try to figure out on their own how to make you know, business, you know, thrive. And as I like to say, help them take the guesswork out of growth. I've always thought that if I, if I knew a little bit more, I I might enjoy being um, a coach, but it also, it's, it strikes me as, um, I don't know, a little bit nebulous about what to do and and when. Talk about the work a little bit. Like when you first engage or a, a client engages you, what does the work look like, especially early in that uh, in that process, where does it start? Yeah, we sort of do two things. One is we start at the ends, so to speak, and and um, I ask mm-hmm. my clients to write um, at least a three year vision. It's pretty, you know, it's usually three, four, five, six, seven pages long. It's pretty vivid. They go into a lot of detail, and that sort of sets the bar up. Okay, here's where we're going. Because if you're a leader, you know, your job is to create followers, and followers want to know where, where are we going, and you need <laughs> to create that for them. And uh, there's a great saying that I know Simon Sinek says a lot, which is, you know, you have to be able to articulate your vision as if it's already happened. And and so people will will get an idea and say, yeah, that's I want to help make that come true or not. You know, if they don't want to make it come true, then that's okay. They should go somewhere else and help their you know vision or whatever their purpose or um, or mission or whatever you want to call in their life aligns with the, the company they work for, or they create their own company. The other side of that um, is we, I, I help them really understand their identity. Um, and that's around values and purpose and objectives and sort of the main foundational things of who we are, how we behave, et cetera. Because most businesses, unfortunately, grow for growth's sake. You know, they're like, we, and, they, and they focus on revenue and really not important things. I mean, revenue is great, but you, know, you can build a hundred million dollar company, but if it costs you a hundred million dollars to run it, you, you've employed a lot of people and maybe you know put out some products and such. But if if a stiff wind blows, so to speak, like a COVID or a nine eleven or a two thousand eight recession, you're in trouble because now you you know your your business probably suffers and your costs haven't really changed that much. 
Um, so what I what I like to say is that if, if you if you grow for growth's sake, then that's the ideology of a cancer cell. And, and sometimes cancer cells kill their hosts. They certainly weaken them. So you've got to say, okay, these are ways that we can grow, but make sure it doesn't violate who you are. Doesn't go against a core value or, or your core purpose or really what you're good at and love at and your passion. Um, because eventually you will regret it. It may take years and it's, sometimes it's hard to even tie it back to, to that decision you made two, three, four years ago, maybe even sometimes 10 years ago, I've read. Um, but it often happens. And I think that's one of the, that one of those heavy weights I talked about earlier um, that, that start to pull on you as time goes by. Well, it, it must be incredibly rewarding work. What 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 are you enjoying the most about it at at, at this point in your career in your in your practice? What are you enjoying the most? Well, I enjoy. There's two things that I enjoy. One, personally and selfishly, is is I love working with my clients. Uh, time flies um, when I'm with them, and and I think about them often, and I read a lot, and I'm sending them things that I think might connect with them based upon general information or specific information I have from them. Um, and then I really love that moment that comes every now and again, when, you know, sort of the eyes open up and it's like, Oh, right. You know, I, you know, they get their own epiphany. It's not necessarily something that I told them, but through the work that we do, cause they're really, you know, I, I truly believe that uh, when you're in coach mode, you know, that they either have or can come up with their own answers. Um, if you ask the right questions and keep pushing them towards that, um, uh, when that happens, it's really a great, um, it's, it's great for me. And, and so uh, an example is I was working with a client a few weeks ago and we were working on something called profit per X, which is if you focused on this one thing, this X this mechanism, whatever you want to call it, and, and really optimize that either in volume or in margin or both it would drive more and more profit and thus more cash into your business. And, you know, what I typically do is I say, everyone write down what they think the X is. And then we put them up and we do that little sticky thing with coaches and we look at it and have questions <laughs> and debates and comments, et cetera. And uh, they're, they're a, a two tier organization. I mean, they, they generally don't sell directly to the end user. They sell through entities that go to the end user, but their X is revolved around what I call retail, right? Which is to the, to the consumer. And I, I said, you know, are you sure? that this one of these is it, it you know, it's, and I sort of lean back and said, it sort of seems to me that you're, you're more in front of that, that if you optimize something in front of that, whatever that might be. Um, and a couple of them, you know, sort of set back and said, you know, yeah, if, if we optimize this, this more retail oriented thing, it, it wouldn't necessarily drive our business. It might make our, the, the end user happy, but it wouldn't necessarily drive more profit into us. It actually might drive more cost into us. So it's great when when stuff like that happens, right? And, and uh, you get to see that on their face. And like, you know, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe we aren't looking at this the right way. And I didn't have the answer. I just, I just said, you know, I sort of looked at it and said, I, I don't know that we we we're done asking the questions. So, so how does the whole sales and marketing thing work for a guy like you, a practice like yours? How do you get the opportunity? How do you, how do you get the new clients? Yeah, it's not easy. Um, I like to say, so when people say, you know, who's your best client and they're, they're looking for attributes, typically they're looking for size of company or industry that they're in or something along those lines. And I say, you know what, what I teach for, for most industries, except maybe a few, what I, what I work with clients on is pretty universal. I, I teach first principles more than anything. Um, and, 
I say I'm not really looking for that. I'm looking for a mindset. I'm looking for a humble, hungry learner who's comfortable challenging the status quo. And uh, Stone, I've found that um, they're rare at the highest levels of companies, um, mm-hmm. especially the humility part. They're they're not. They feel uncomfortable bringing in someone like me because they might look weak, or they might be seen like they don't know what they're doing. They have to have some third party, you know, sort of run their company for them. Although I certainly don't do that. Um, so it's difficult. So um, I, I wish I had a magic bullet and I could say, hey, I do this, uh, you know, and, and, and magically, you know, months later or two months later or whatever, a client pops up. But um, what I do is I get referrals from my clients, which is great. Um, I do work with partners who have access to a larger pool of hopefully like-minded people. I do some speaking and writing. Um, I also try to run some some boot camps and workshops. So I, I sort of do a mix of things. And it depends. I think it's more the currently it's the activity. And then every now and again, something happens. I, I just had a call today with, I was on a podcast um, a week or two ago and this guy heard me and said, I like what you said. And, and so we're, we're talking. So who knows? <laughs> Fun. Well, I actually wanted to talk about the writing. Tell us a little bit about this book of yours further, faster. And um, there's more to the title, the, the vital few steps that take the guesswork out of growth. Uh, I'd love to hear a little bit about it in, in general, but my first question is, when you were getting the book together, did did parts of it come together a little easier for you than other parts? Were, were, were some parts a, a little bit of a struggle? I'm interested to know about the experience of writing a book. Yeah, so I am. I, uh, I call myself an accidental author. I, I, I'm not a writer. <laughs> I don't really um, describe myself as, a, as, as someone who writes, you know, for a living. Um, I was, I was encouraged by others to do it, which I thought was pretty cool. They thought that my perspective on things was unique enough in this world of business books that many of them say the exact same thing. Um, and and it's really only the first part of it that, that is of any value. And then the next 200 pages are filler. Um, you know, I've read a lot of business books and unfortunately that happens too much. So I was really concerned about, you know, I didn't want to put something like that out. I wanted to be, add something of, of value to the conversation um, so I, I, as I said earlier, I like Pareto and, and um, I, I think that uh, I took not everything that I know. I took the things that I thought made the biggest impact, thus the further faster and put them down in a book. I will tell you, I, I hired, a, I hired a third party to help me and I had a scribe. I worked with a company called Scribe Media and she was terrific and, and their process was great. So the hardest part was the, sort of promoting of the book more than anything, to be honest with you, because I'm, I'm, hmm. I'm not necessarily a, a big self-promoter, although I should be since I work for myself. She made it super easy. They, they We laid out an entire process, a framework, and then we sort of just filled it in. And, you know, I had already been a coach for four or five years. So a number of the things that I had learned and had been saying just sort of came out in the conversation with her. And luckily she took it and turned it into something that was, I think, much more comprehensible and useful than I could have done on my own. So that's sort of how I did it. So if you would speak to the to the structure of the book and then maybe specifically to any counsel you would have to offer on how to help the reader get the, the most out of it, how to approach the book and really leverage it. Yeah, so um, the book itself is um, comes in all the formats that you could imagine. It comes in a paperback, comes in a Kindle, and, you know, an ebook, and and then I also have an audio version of it. Um, there are three parts to the book. The first part really is about team and how to attract build and grow and sometimes you know dismantle if you need to a really great team 
there's a lot to that. You know, there's psychological safety as part of that. There's making sure that you've got people doing things they love as often as they possibly can. And really thinking about the team as a, as a, as a well-rounded team made up of individual idiosyncratic and spiky people. There's an art and <laughs> uh, a science to bringing those sort of different aspects of people together to make a really well-rounded team. Uh, the next part is really about strategy and execution. They're two sides of the same coin. Um, I talk a lot. I talk a lot with people about strategy and execution, and most of the time when I talk to people and I say, you know, what's what's really in your way and what's going on in your business is slowing you down or giving you trouble. It's almost op- always an operational issue, which is really around execution. And I say, well, what are you what are you executing on? And you know, I try to get them to say they're basically executing on some kind of strategy. And as you execute on your strategy. Your strategy evolves and gets better, hopefully. Um, and so, so they're 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 different things, but they're definitely connected. And I sort of help to connect those things. And the last thing is about cash. The shortest part of the book is about cash. I think if you're going to grow a business and you want to grow it in a healthy way, cash should you should be your primary financial metric, because as as is often said, revenue is vanity, profit is sanity, and cash is king. Um, and your job is to put money into the business so you can grow it. You can invest in the people and, and, and do great things for them and also make sure that you have enough cash to weather any storms that might happen, as we mentioned already with, you know, 2008, 9-11, et cetera. Um, the book itself is a do-it-yourself book. So there are, uh, I think, about 20 to 25 exercises that go with the book. Ah. You can do it in any particular order that you want. I still think the team is, is primary. Um, so you can read along and then I'll, it'll... It'll have us a part of it that stops and says, "Hey, you know, go to the go to my website. You can download the exercise. Hopefully, I've written some good instructions so you can do it yourself." And then, of course, you know, I'm I'm also a, a businessman. If if you would like me to accelerate the process and and expand the process, you can certainly hire me uh, to to give you the full experience of um, building a growth framework. I'm so glad I asked. And now I have a new phrase and and I'll try to remember to credit you at least uh, the first few times I use it, spiky people. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) So have you had the benefit of of one or more mentors that helped you along your career? And and I'm actually more speaking to when you made the the leap into the coaching world and, and, and running your own your own thing did did you did you have one or more folks that kind of helped you uh, work through that um so i i I don't know that i keep thinking about it do i have a a sort of a mentor or set of mentors i certainly have people that i've learned a lot from um i've had two or three people that have been most instrumental in 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 that in that growth mostly in my startup stuff because startups are certainly difficult and it was nice to have a supportive and loyal set of people helping me with that. Um, on the coaching side, I really tried to learn from other coaches, especially successful coaches. And, mm. and I tried to see what they, what they were all about, how they approach things, um, what um, processes they, they employed in order to um, be successful and found, found again, a lot of similarities in really great coaches is they had systems that they, that they, um, leveraged. I wouldn't say that they use them all the time, but they certainly leverage them in a in a in a, a foundational way. And then, as as needs arose with their clients, they would expand into other areas. Um, so my teachers, uh, they're in my book. I, I, I give them credit in my book at the at the end. You know, these, these are people that are out there. They're thought leaders in what they do. Like people like Amy Evanson, 
Marcus Buckingham, uh, you know, Vern Harnish, Pat Lencioni, you know, there, I think I list about 15 or 20, Bob Mesta, um, who influenced me, whether they knew it or not. Um, I've actually become friends with some of them since then. And then my, my ultimate mentor is, is Alan Mulally, and he didn't know he was my mentor. Um, Alan Mulally used to be the head of Boeing and the head of Ford uh, through 9-11 at Boeing in 2008 to 40. He's, to me, he's the, probably the finest leader we've had, at least in the United States, in a century. Um, you know, he led both of those companies through ex- ex- existential crises, and they came out better than they went in. And I wrote a little bit about him. There's a book called American Icon, which was about his journey through Ford from 2006 through 2014, I think. And a lot of what he did there um, is what I do. And I thought it was really amazing that, you know, here's this guy who I've admired for many years. And then I really learned what he did and why he was such a great leader. Um, So I wrote an article and he he reached out to me and uh, talk about humble. I mean, this guy, you know, is, is, has no need to call me little Bill Flynn and, he reached out to me saying, hey, hey, I read your article. I thought it was great. I, I want to meet you. And and uh, I've been connected to him. I wouldn't say we're friends, but we're definitely friendly. You know, he, he answers my calls and emails and, and I do the same for him. So it's kind of cool. Well, and I suspect that you you learn a ton, uh, things to do, things not to do, uh, mindset approaches from the from the client work, right? You must learn a ton just getting out there and, and doing the work. Yeah, I'm now seven years in or eight years into this coaching thing. And I, I definitely do things differently than I did when I started, right? Um, I was a little naive, a little ignorant. Um, I started from scratch and, you know, I sort of followed the rules. And and then as as you do things and you and you see where you stumble and the clients don't quite get it, um, hopefully you sit back and reflect and say, okay, how could I do that differently? Again, I reach out to my peers and say, look, this didn't go very well. And what would you do in this situation? And you hear a number of things. And so, um, yeah, I definitely learn from my clients that, they ask great questions. They challenge me every now and again, which is great. So um, I, I, I owe a lot to them as well. Well, uh, you clearly have a passion for the for the work. It, it, it comes through in your voice. I know it does over the over the airwaves. And I know you're human. I know sometimes the you know the, the tank probably gets a little bit low. Where do you go? And I don't necessarily mean a, a physical place, but where do you go to, to, to recharge the batteries, get inspiration and get, uh, you know, kind of uh, ready for the next thing? Yeah, I will say, even though um, I'm tired at the end of um, each client session, because I'm a bit, I skew a little bit introvert. So I have to sort of summon the energy, if you will, um, even though time is passing by. It definitely brings me up, right? Is, is, is the time flies by the next day or two, I'm still feeling really good about what happened. Even if, the, even if it wasn't a, a perfect session, there was, uh, there's always something to draw on there. And then I'll tell you, Stone, I do something extremely practical is that I have in the book, there are about 30 or so reviews for my book and all except for one is a five star review, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I go read them. uh and you know some of the some of them are people i know but many of them are people either i don't know or haven't seen in a long long time and they wrote some really nice things and i didn't write them (laughs) Uh, so that that's pretty cool as well well i'd love to leave our listeners before we wrap with a couple of actionable items uh that i'll call them pro tips something that we can be thinking about reading, doing, not doing. Number one pro tip, gang, is, is reach out to Bill and have a conversation with him. But just, you know, something walking away from tapping into this conversation, uh, just uh, something to, you know, something we can take some immediate 
action on if you have anything to to offer on that front yeah i'm uh I've learned that outcomes are extremely important and it, it can be, it could be in a larger sense or even a smaller sense. Um, so I would, whenever anyone who's listening is thinking about doing something, um, picture the end first and, and, and try to picture it as an ideal outcome. Um, it may not end up that way, but think about it that way and really write it down, describe it and then work backwards from there. It's like, okay, if, if I were to want that to happen, what would I, I need to do, change, whatever, to have that be something that I can um, can get can get from it? And and I think the most practical example is um, meetings. We we across the globe do meetings very poorly. Um, most yeah. people don't like meetings. Uh, they're, they're long. They're boring. Um, you get distracted, especially these days with, with social media and phones and everything. It's easy to get distracted anyway. And, and, and that's what I say to folks is, is if you have whatever meeting you have, whether it's an ad hoc meeting or a regular meeting that you have on a regular basis, describe the ideal outcome of that meeting first, then figure out who should be in the meeting that gives you the best chance of, of achieving that outcome, then write the agenda. Uh, and then once you've reached that outcome in that meeting, then end it, whether it's early or if it's if you're running over, then either decide whether you should continue or um, or then reschedule and finish the meeting another time. The goal is to reach the outcome of the meeting, not to meet for 50 minutes and not to get through the agenda. It's just to reach the outcome of the meeting. All right. Let's make it easy for our listeners to have a conversation with you or someone on your team. I want to make sure they have easy access to this book and uh, a, a good way to begin tapping into your work, whatever you feel like is appropriate, LinkedIn, websites, email. I just want to make sure that they can get connected to you and, and, and start tapping into your work, man. Well, thank you very much. Um, my website's probably the best. It's catalystgrowthadvisors.com. And if you want to reach me, it's just bill at catalystgrowthadvisors.com. You can send an email to me as well. But all my contact information is on there. My phone number, you can actually schedule a, a meeting through my calendar link that's on there. My book is on there. You can actually download my book for free if you want it in, in a PDF. You certainly go to Amazon um, or Audible and places to download it. I appreciate that. I think I make 3 or $4 every time you do that, which is cool. Um, but that's probably the best place www.catalystgrowthadvisors.com. Well, Bill, it has been an absolute delight having you on the show this afternoon. Thank you for investing the time and the energy to share your insight and your experience and, and your perspective. I've, I found the conversation informative and inspiring, and I just want you to know we sincerely appreciate your work, man. Uh, I, I love it. I love being on high velocity uh, radio. It's, it's what I say to folks. You want to add velocity to your business, you know, do some of the things that I've learned and you'll definitely do it. So very apropos. Thank you for having me on. My pleasure. All right. Until next time, this is Stone Payton for our guest today, Bill Flynn with Catalyst Growth Advisors and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you in the fast lane.